Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Yes, well, I got an interesting message for you. If the media team gets their stuff going, we'll hopefully see it on the screen. So, for the first Sunday, I got this message title for you. What's making a monkey out of you? Right? What's making a monkey out of you? You know, we are still in this new year. It's a brand new year, and it's like, you know, we're still unwrapping this new year. It's like that fresh car smell, right? You get a new car, you get into your car, and it's this nice smell, and you don't want it do you want to lose that smell? Sometimes you go and buy some air fresheners that says new car smell because you want to keep that as long as you can before people get in and dirty it all up, right? And dirty up your world. But you want to try and preserve that. So in a new year, we want to try and keep this year as fresh as we can. But most of us, most of us want to have a better year this year than we did last year, Right? And even if you had a great year last year, even if 2023 was the best year of your life, you don't want that to be the highlight of the rest of your life. You want to get better. You want to have a better year this year than you did last year, right? You want to be able to move forward in life and make new worlds and new memories and new insights and new things that will actually help you build a life for yourself. And for those of you that even had a horrible year, right? You want to get a fresh start. You want to have new things, and the spanking brand new year will hopefully be amazing for you. And so we come to a new year with our hearts set and anticipation because it's a brand new chapter. It's a new page. We can make it whatever, though. Past can be put away. And so I know I want a better year this year. And I know you do too, right? So who else sitting next to you wants a great year? Ask them, do you want a great year? All right. Now, all of us can have a better year, but it's going to require something from us. Because if you do what you've always been doing, you're going to get what you've always been getting. And so it requires for us to examine ourselves, and we're going to be getting the same thing month after month, year after year, our behavior doesn't change, we're going to get the same result. You know, that's the definition of insanity. If you do the same thing, expecting different results. So we have to begin to understand that we have to look introspectively, we have to examine ourselves, and we have to look at ourselves. And the truth is, when we look into our lives, it can be a little bit intimidating, it can be a little bit challenging, because we often look outside of us, we look at other people, we want other people to change, we want other people to do things, why don't you change, do this, change this, but we don't necessarily always look internally. But to start with, we have to look introspectively. We have to look at ourselves, we have to examine ourselves, and we have to actually challenge ourselves to be better. And it's not always a pleasant experience for us, because it's challenging. But we have to be able to do that, and we have to have some transparency with someone else in our world, someone around us, someone that will actually help us see ourselves for ourselves. So... If you do honestly want this year to be better than last year, 
I want you to ask, I want to ask you some serious question. I'm going to ask you it in a few different ways, but this is the question. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to, to be honest, has a hold on you? What are you holding on to that the people around you who love you and see you and care about you would wish that you genuinely put down? What are you holding on to that you refuse to let go of? What's weighing you down? And maybe you picked this up because you thought this will actually be a benefit for your world. It will change your world. It will make you better. It will make you, you know, a little bit more appealing to those around you. But actually, it didn't do that. It made your life more complicated, more stressful. But you keep on holding on to it because you're afraid to let it go. What is slowing you down from being all you can be and more because you just won't let it go. What is stressing you out that you know if you eliminated it, if you got rid of it, it would make your life easier, but you won't let go because you feel like you need to worry about it. What are you holding on to that is ultimately holding you down? What are you dragging around that's slowing you down and you won't acknowledge it, but you still keep dragging this heavy baggage around? What are you holding on to that you feel you need to keep hidden from her, from him, your workplace, because if it came out, it will humiliate you, it will embarrass you, so you need to keep it hidden, you need to keep it undercover, because if your neighbors know, if your family knows, if your kids know, if people around you know, it's going to be something horrible. So you have to try to work hard as you can to keep this hidden. Let me ask you in one final way. What are you holding on to that's making a monkey out of you? Because this is a fact. Do you know how to trap a monkey? You get a bottle, you tie that bottle to the tree, and you put a banana in the bottle. A monkey comes along, he sticks his hand into the bottle, he grabs a banana, and he refuses to let go. And so you don't actually trap a monkey. The monkey traps itself because it holds on to. But you can look this up later on Google. But did you know that all monkeys can't be trapped in this way. There's only a certain kind of monkey that is trapped in this way. It's a monkey that lacks the intelligence to just let go. So the bottom line of this message, in case you have to leave early or whatever it may be, is this. Let go of the banana and run away. It's just that simple. For those of you who are not Christ followers, this is all about as much as I have for you. I'm going to talk before I talk to the rest of us. But I just want to say this before I move on, because you know that I know 
I don't really have any authority to tell you what to do in your life. It's your life. You can live the life where you want to and however you choose to live your life. And you do what you think is best. But I just want to caution you by not letting go of things that are holding you down. It's just possible that you are hurting more than just you. You are hurting the people that love you and care about you. You're hurting more than just what's in your immediate world. You're affecting people that genuinely care about you. And by you holding on to stuff, the people around you that care about you, they know what's up anyway. They kind of know what's going on in your world. And maybe they've tried to approach you and talk to you about it, but you've just fended them off. And you know they've never brought it up again because they don't want to get into this conversation. And you thought they forgot, but they haven't forgotten. They just don't want to bring it up because... They know it's going to cause some friction. But they know, they notice, they just don't want to deal with your attitude. So for the sake of the people that genuinely care about you and love you, let it go. And now for all of us that are Christ followers... We have a little bit more to talk about, and I hope that those of you that are not Christ followers will, will genuinely follow us through the rest of us, will join us in this part. The issue for us as Christ followers is this. The problem by being mastered by something or anything or someone is that we already have a master. And maybe you don't like that word master because it conjures up all kinds of imagery and feelings and things that you don't want to deal with. But let me ask you a question. What do you call it when you have things in your world that rules the way that you think? That has a hold of your feelings, that monitors what you say, who you say to, what you do, where you go. It forces you to keep something deep inside here that doesn't allow you to express your feeling. It demeans you, it debilitates you, it puts you down. And you've come into this world and you said, I don't want to have that kind of experience. But you're forced into having this kind of experience because it holds you down. Is that not being a slave? What do you call that? Something that forces you to do what you don't necessarily want to do. So the interesting thing for us, who are Jesus followers, the Apostle Paul, who was a super smart guy, who was a first century religious leader, Pharisee, but ultimately became a Christ follower, wrote this long letter to those followers, those Jesus followers that were living in Rome. And this is what he says. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone or something, when you offer yourself to someone or something as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the ones you obey? Think about that. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves to the thing you obey, to someone you obey, you make yourself a slave because you're no longer in control. They tell you what to do. So when you stick your hand in there and get tied to a rope or chained to something and refuse to let go, you are obeying the thing that has you trapped. 
that has you down. It has control over you. So whatever that is, if it's an addiction, if it's a secret, if it's a pastime, if it's a hobby, if it's a desire, it's that itch you just have to scratch. Whatever it is that's holding you down, you obey it because when it's call, when it calls, you listen. When it says do this, you obey. When it says that this is what you have to do at this time, whatever it is, hide and secret, you listen. What do you call that? A slave. So Paul says to whatever or whomever you say yes to, the point is when it's controlling your behavior, the thing that person has become your master. If you've never thought about it in this fashion, it's true. We don't think about it in this way. We don't think about it in this fashion. And that's why Paul knows this. And that's why he starts this, this thing by saying, don't you know? Because we don't think about it in this way. So he says this because he wants us to understand the gravity of the situation. To start to think like this because it has a huge impact in your world. It influences how you behave. It influences how you live. So he goes on and he says this, whatever you are slave, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I'll repeat that. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, before I go any further, let me just define sin for you. Because sometimes we get a little bit confused. But sin in the New Testament is very simple. It's actually easy to understand. Because sin in the New Testament is anything that hurts you and anything that hurts the you beside you or the you behind you, or the you in front of you, or the you around you, or the you at work, or any of the yous in your world. Anything that hurts you, or any of the yous around you. And we all know this, right? Because one of the most famous verses in Scripture is, for God so loved the yous. God so loved the world. He loved all the yous. All of you. And so anything that hurts you, that hurts the person sitting next to you, that hurts someone in your world, is sin. Because think about it in this fashion. When someone hurts someone you love, you go, that's wrong. That's not right. Right? And so God says, when you hurt someone that I love, I've just defined it this way. I call it sin. So when you hurt you, the you that God loves, it's sin. When you hurt the you sitting next to you that God loves, it is sin. And when you hurt anyone else around you that God loves, it is sin. There's no list in the New Testament that says you need to do this or do that. It's quite very simple, and it's compelling, but it's also very demanding, right? It's demanding. And so Paul says this, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience to God, which leads to righteousness. 
He's talking about you and the you around you. Everyone around you. And your behavior that ultimately undermines the people around you hurts you and hurts those around you. And here's why. Because sin leads to death. It traps you forever in its clutches and refuses to let go and it controls everything about you. And Paul, in his letters and other places, and he's writing to other people and other New Testament writers, say the same thing. And this is ultimately what it is, that sin actually kills things. Sin kills things. When relationships break down, when things are, are spit apart, someone's sin, right? Because someone said something to someone that hurt them. Someone did something to someone else that hurt them. Someone caused someone pain. Someone caused some sort of behavior that caused that relationship to break. Because sin kills things. It breaks things apart. You hurt someone. You lied on someone. You cheated on someone. You said something. You behaved in a way that caused someone else to be hurt. God defines that as sin. Sin kills things, and you know what else sin does? Sin kills your peace. Sin kills your peace with people because you hurt and sinned against them. Sin kills your peace with God because you can't be living in a good conscience because your conscience bothers you. Sin kills you because you hurt you. So of course God, who invites you to call Him Heavenly Father, does not like that we live sometimes in this place. So so of course a God who loves you so much, who sent His only Son to die and pay the price for sin because it hurts you. Of course God, who loves you tremendously, does not want you to sin against you to sin against others, to sin against people in your world. And so God is actually against sin. He hates sin, but he's actually for you. That's what he demonstrated. He is for you, and he's for the you next to you. He's for the you behind you. He's for the you in front of you. He's for the you, all the yous in the world. All the time. And here's what Paul extrapolates further. He says... Sin leads to death, but obedience to God leads to righteousness. Sin leads to death, but obedience to God leads to righteousness. Obedience actually makes things right. Doing what's right, even when it's hard and difficult, And a difficult thing to do makes things right in our world, keeps things right in our world between you and God, between you and people, and most importantly, between you and you. It keeps things right. Because there's nothing better than knowing you did the right thing even when it was difficult. And there's nothing worse than looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I did the worst thing. I lied, I was a coward, I was a cheat, I was horrible, I made a mistake, I deceived, I cheated, I did a horrible thing. 
And you can excuse yourself and say, give yourself 20 reasons of why you did what you did, but ultimately you know deep down that you sinned and it has caused a divide between you and someone you love, you and someone you caused hurt, and you and God. So God, through Paul, says this, sin kills things, but obedience makes it right. Obedience to God sets things between, right between you and God, you and others, and most importantly, between you and you. So Paul says, but there's a contrast here. He's providing not just an explanation, but a contrast. He says this further on. But thanks be to God that through, though you used to be slaves, thanks be to God that you who used to be slaves, in the past you held on to things, you wouldn't let go, you refused to let it go, but thanks be to God, you used to be slaves, but you have come to, and he doesn't just say belief, because believing doesn't change much in your world, Believing doesn't make much difference. He says you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And I love that. I love that. Paul is so expertly and wisely inviting us into a brand new way of thinking. Because he's trying to introduce to us a new pattern of living, a brand new pattern of seeing the world, a new pattern of seeing yourself, a new pattern of seeing your family, a new pattern of seeing everything around you, a new pattern of seeing God, a new way of seeing forgiveness, a new way of seeing all the stuff in your world, your money, your finances, your time, your future, your life, your job, your career, whatever it may be. This is a brand new pattern of thinking that he's trying to introduce. If we can live in obedience to God, it will change everything. Everything in your world will change. And all of this hinges on this brand new concept of living. And it's this. Because of what God has done for us, we are to do the same for others. The way we treat others is the way God in Christ treated us. And how did God treat us? If you really embrace this, if you truly live and make this your heartbeat, if it goes from your head to your heart, and if you can embrace it, it changes everything in your world. It forces you to finally let go of all the things that you've been holding on to that's holding you down. Let go of the things that are weighing you down and constricting you and pushing you and pulling you and trying to shape you. And you'll come from to this place where you can truly let go because you come from this principle. We are to love because we are loved. And so this is what Paul is saying. Obedience to God frees you. It doesn't enslave you. It frees you from the weight and the complications of sin. It sets you free. And he continues on. He says this. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You have been set free from sin and become 
slaves to righteousness. And it's amazing if you read this in Romans when you get home. It's so profound. It's so liberating. You are no longer under the control and manipulation of sin, which is there to destroy you. You have been set free. Free from sin. Obedience to God will liberate you from the confines that weigh you down and keep you down and being all that you're supposed to be. But as you read that, you might go, but hold on, Paul, you just said, I was not a slave to sin, but I notice now that you say I'm a slave to righteousness. To which Paul would say, but whatever we obey is our master. So when you're obedient to God, when you obey him, when you obey what he says, you put things right in your world, and now you serve the things that are right. And we go, mm, I'm still not comfortable with that word slave, you know. That slave reference is really kind of, because I'm not a slave to anyone. I don't serve anyone. I don't serve anything. That's what we say. But we don't even understand that we're slave to stuff. Slave to things. Slaves to behaviors. And Paul would say, I want you to know this. That a God who loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. That he placed so much value and worth in you that you can't even comprehend. You can't even begin to understand how much value God placed on you. You were set free from sin by a heavy price. By the blood and death of his only son. He paid a heavy price. So think about this, okay? And this is what he says. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness, right? When you were slaves to sin, righteousness had no control over you. And we would go, yeah, that, that's true. When I was free from righteousness, I was serving something, and I understand its influence and its power over me, and I didn't do anything good and right. I understand that. So then Paul continues and he says this amazing thing. Listen carefully. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things that result in death. So in the light of the most precious gift you've ever received in your life, the Son of God who gave his life for you, that paid a heavy price, the question is, what has that thing that you're holding on to ever offered for you? What is that thing that you won't let go sacrificed for you? What is that thing that you are paying for, ever paid for you? What benefit has it had for you? In fact, it's the opposite. It costs you something. It costs you. You're actually paying something for it. So why empower this? Why honor this? Why bow down to this? Why would you hold on to something that is hurting you and hurting others and hurting other people in your world? Why can't you just let go? Yeah. 
Why would you do that? Why remain a slave when you have been set free? What benefit do you get from that? So whatever you're hanging on to, whatever you're clinging on to, the thing that demeans you, the thing that creates a lack of dignity into you, that keeps you ashamed, that keeps you in secret, that keeps you embarrassed, that keeps you just not you, that makes you stressed or hurt or hurt others in your world, why do you keep holding on to it? You have to let go because you're not allowing yourself to be free. You are enslaving yourself again under the yoke of sin. You are holding on to that banana and you're refusing to let go. Just let go. So anything that gets in the way of your love for you, anything that gets in the way of your love for God, anything that gets in the way of your love for others, you have to move out of the way. You have to move it out of the way. It needs to be moved out of the way. God loves you too much and paid too high of a price for you to be enslaved again and again under the yoke of sin. So a new year has to bring a new you. And this is all about your obedience to God. So back to our original question. What is it that is holding on to you that's holding you back? What is keeping you from being what you can be? What is keeping you from having a clear conscience between you and your heavenly father? What is holding you back from having the relationships you always dreamed of with your spouse, your children, your parents, the people around you? What are you holding on to that is holding you back? Is it anger? Is it addiction? Is it a habit? Is it selfishness? Is it stinginess? Is it hurt? Is it past pain? Is it rejection? Is it being unloved? What is it? And maybe those things didn't start out as addictions or habits. It was just something you did because everyone else was doing it and you thought it was a cool thing to do. But now you've become a slave to it. Maybe it's a friend or a friend group or someone in your world. Maybe it's someone and not something. But someone in your world has noticed and someone has come to you and tried to talk to you about it, but you got so offended and shut down the conversation that they don't even want to talk to you about it anymore. But they know. They see it. You think you're hiding it well, but it's quite obvious. Maybe it's gaming. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's you too into your looks. Maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's your car. Whatever it is that your family feeds they need to compete with is not helping you move forward. So you owe it to you to look at your life and see what is holding you down from being what you can be and should be. So if you're married or in a relationship and you're holding on to something, 
What is holding you back? And if you're not sure, ask someone in your world because they probably know and they probably see. Because the people closest to you, the people who love you, they already know the answer. So maybe just ask them a question. What do you think is holding me down? Just ask them. They probably know, they just haven't said it. So let it go. Because here's the reality. You don't have any business being mastered by anyone or anything, especially if you're a Christ follower, because you already have a master. A master who didn't just speak, who didn't just tell you, but a master who demonstrated his love for you by giving himself for you and you're still hanging on to stuff, who gave his life for you while you were still hanging on to stuff, while you were still hating people and doing things to people and being unkind to people and being horrible to people and you thought it would benefit you, while you were still doing that, he gave his life for you. So let me ask you, in light of giving the most precious gift, he's given before he asks. And if you're not a Christ follower, come on now, come on, be honest. You know this to be true. Read the scripture, read the Bible, understand how much he loves you. Read a book, come to church, talk to other people. Just take a step. And you, if you walked away because of something that someone else did, someone in church did, someone that might have hurt you, you should reconsider. Because it's not about what they did. It's about what Christ did for you that will ultimately change your world. You know this to be true, that sin destroys stuff. You don't even have to label it that way. You can label it whatever you want. You can say bad stuff. But you know bad stuff messes you up. Because here's a fact. If you've been following Jesus maybe a year or two years or three years ago, you may have avoided your biggest regret. Because following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. And you regret putting your hand into that bottle and holding on to stuff and grabbing a hold of things and not letting go. So in addition, in addition to letting go, those of you that have not decided to put your faith in Christ or you're still questioning or wondering or having this question on your faith journey, in addition to letting go of the things that have held you down, I hope that you take hold of the one that brought you back and bought you back take hold of him and he will lead you to a life that is abundant and extraordinary and for all of us all of us here because we want to have a better year this year than we did last year a better year a better you starts with you so let me pray. Would you bow your head wherever you are? 
And I'm going to ask you this question as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you haven't made Jesus your decision, don't start this year without this most important decision. Don't go into this year trying to figure it out yourself and say, you know, I'm going to hold this stuff and try to figure it out myself because your life is just going to replicate what happened last year. So wherever you are in your world, in your walk, in your journey, make Jesus a priority. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. For those of you that are still not at that place, I want to help you on this journey to make a decision for Jesus. So wherever you are, as every eye is closed, no one's looking, as every head is bowed, would you raise your hand and say, I've decided that this year I'm going to follow Jesus. Wherever that is, I see some hands. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? This year, I'm going to follow Jesus and make him a priority of my life. Come on, you've tried everything else and seen it come to naught, but you have an opportunity today to follow Jesus. Thank you. You may leave your hand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we honor you, we bless you, and we praise you. We thank you for those lives that have been surrendered to you this morning. And for the rest of us, recommit our hearts, our lives, our purpose to you. That we can build obedience into what you've called us to be. To strengthen us, to let us go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. I pray for all of us here today that we will have abundant, grace-filled, and extraordinary year as we submit ourselves to you, as we call you Lord and Master. We serve you so we can be in right standing with you, with those around us, and with ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to leave you with two questions before I go. I want you to think about this this week and maybe talk to someone that is close in your world. Have some transparency. Maybe ask them. But question number one, what has been keeping you down and stopping you from being what you can be? Write it down on your phone, write it down in your notes, whatever it is. What has been keeping you down and stopping you from being what you can be? Number two, this is perhaps more important. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know what it is. I'm just going to let it sit there. Weigh you down, demean you, demoralize you. Or are you going to do something about it? What are you going to do about it? Take that into your week. Contemplate. Meditate. Ask someone. And hopefully get some insight to change your world. Let's welcome Pastor Tom. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. 
Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.